Hi, I'm Juan Galloway. And I'm Tracy Galloway. Welcome to our podcast, 36 Questions. This is an unscripted show where we candidly and spontaneously answer 36 questions that lead to love. These 36 questions were invented by psychologist Arthur Aaron, who created this exercise to help people be vulnerable in order to foster closeness and intimacy. We have been married since 1992 and have four awesome grown children together. We have both been in Christian leadership for over 30 years. We have been youth pastors, church planters, lead pastors, ministry school directors, nonprofit leaders, and are now missionaries. Yes, we are missionaries with youth with a mission. YWAM, the largest missions organization in the world, and are following our call to know God and make him known to the nations. You know, our hope is that as we dig deep into each other's lives, that you will be inspired to do the same. Let's dive in. Hello there. Hello there. It is time for everybody's favorite show, podcast. 36 questions. Yes, yes. I don't even know what question we're on because... We've had some Thanksgiving and Christmas going on. I think it's been two months. Yes, it has. Since Holidays we recorded. Were busy, right? And the funny thing is, every time we record, because our life is so crazy, yeah. we're living somewhere different. So we are actually living somewhere <laughs> different, right? Yeah. How many times have we moved this year? How many places have we lived? We've lived in over 20 places this year. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. It's kind of like being homeless. Uh, well, <laughs> instead of saying you're living somewhere, we're not. Yeah. It, I it, mean, not officially homeless, right. but no, well, no home. You know, no We've been home. nomadic. Nomadic. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Staying at the grace and mercy of people as we uh, travel yeah. around we and have, figure it out. But we have stabilized. We were renting a place near the uh, YWAM, Youth with a Mission Base. Right. Which has been so much better so we can get there fast back and forth. Well, if you haven't listened before, last time we spoke with you, we were living on a coffee farm. Yes. In the, the mountains with the pigs and the chickens and the mud. And we were kind of like <laughs> sleeping on an outdoor porch sort yeah. of situation. And then before that, we were in uh, St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands um, at a pastor friend's house, staying there, ministering at a church for a month. And before that, we were in Mexico. And uh, in between, we've been in a million other places, or at least 20. Yeah. So, yeah, we're we're basically, if you've never listened, <laughs> we're, we work at Youth of the Mission. We're full-time missionaries. Yes. And we are training young missionaries, mm-hmm. primarily uh, 18 to 25, um, on how to be ministers in other nations and other cultures. Right. It's part of also University of the Nations, mm-hmm. which has campuses all around the world. And so we're here teaching and training because we've been in ministry for over 30 years doing lots of different things. And like most people during COVID, a lot of people had a lot of life change that happened. And one of our life changes was escaping New York City after being there from 9-11 through COVID and now working not just regionally, but internationally, ministering, doing evangelism, helping the poor. And mm. also, you know, you and I can only reach so many people and help so many people. But right now we have 500 to 700 students every three months coming in that we're helping to train and sending out on the missions field. And so talk about multiplication. I mean, mind blown. 
We're able yeah. to multiply everything we've learned and known and send it out with these young people all over the world to so many nations. Yeah, and they have so many schools. There's like over 10 schools going at one time. Oh, yeah. Maybe well, like 20 sometimes. But we, uh-huh. we spoke at a school of worship. We speak regularly at Revival and Reformation to the staff. Mm-hmm. Mentoring um, the leaders I'm there. I'm going to lead worship and speak to... Uh, the School of Illustration next week, which is a new school. Right. And, and everything's for missions. It's used for missions yes. and ministry, of course. I think Very we've innovative. also um, led worship with Crossroads, which is the older people on school. <laughs> which uh, It's kind of like us. That's what we went through. And uh, yeah, there's a lot going on for sure. And we're doing workshops, uh, opening up to the whole campus and meeting one-on-one with students and staff and leaders. Yeah, mentoring. A lot of mentoring, a lot of just relationship mentoring, which is just precious, just precious, Uh, because there's so many people here who are so excited about the Lord and want to do so many great things for God and just to be able to sit with them and encourage them and help them in the areas where they're having trouble. Um, it makes me feel like all the different hardships and difficulties we've experienced mm-hmm. in our in our life, if it be marriage or raising kids or doing ministry or whatever it may be, that every hardship we've encountered, we're now able to leverage that mm. victory we had in that difficult area yeah. for specific instruction to help other people have victory so they don't have to suffer as long or as hard as we ever did. So I'm really excited about it. Yeah, and what's cool too is we we hear about a lot of YWAMers, young leaders, going to start new works in, in nations. And uh, like we're training a team that's going to Pisa, Italy to start a brand new YWAM base. Now right? there's already like over 1,800 bases on earth but there's more <laughs> like coming. <laughs> but there's more. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, how to be long term sustainable. I think that's important. Um, yeah. How to make it for the long haul. And there's a lot to that. It's not easy to. Um, well, yeah, you have to raise funds as a missionary. Then you have to adapt to a new culture, a new language. Right. I mean. And not. And, and we are Americans, but the people we're training are literally from all around the world. Like all oh, the yeah. students, they're from, you know, Brazil and Norway and Australia and C- South Korea Canada. and uh, Russia. You know, they're from all around <laughs> the world. And so it's really neat. Uh, to, it's not, you know, it's not that we're just sending Americans out to do missions. Right. We're actually training people. Um, even people who are going back to their home countries to do ministry. Yeah. In fact, I heard, one of the leaders of YWAM say, maybe it's the founders, I kind of forget, but they said two-thirds of the full-time missionaries are now people coming from developing countries. So I love that. So it's not just Western um, American, you know, okay, we're taking our culture to the world or our brand of Christianity. Right. No, it's actually training people from the developing world to reach their country, but they also travel to other countries, right? <laughs> to bring the richness of what God is doing yeah. in their nation uh, somewhere else. So I have to amazing. say, I think that was a real draw also when we were in Mexico um, this past year for quite a bit, doing a lot of outreach and ministry. I think we ministered to 5,000 people and 500 people made decisions to follow Jesus. And the thing that drew people that was interesting to them was that our team was from all around the world. Yeah. And I uh, love that. <laughs> they thought it was it exciting. Yeah. For them to pe- meet 
someone, someone from, from Norway. China yeah. and, and, and Africa and from all around the world. And our team was so international, Finland, that they just thought, oh, wow, that, it's amazing to see such unity. And, and so diversity. Yeah. Unity and diversity, right? Yeah. And so some of the values that we, that are here at Youth with a Mission is do first and then teach. And so that's what we're do- doing our whole life we've been doing. And now we're mm-hmm. teaching. Yeah. And still doing as well. But definitely our teaching is coming out of a lifetime of doing this same exact thing. And also the unity, diversity, and interdenominationalism. That there's people who are Protestant, people who are Catholic, people who are Lutheran, people who are Baptist, people who are charismatic, people who are assemblies of God, Foursquare, um, Bible Church, you know, Episcopal, just, you know, every denomination, uh, Christian denomination, Bible-based, coming in. And uh, some kids are coming in totally strong and ready to go. Some kids are coming in, they barely are, really, they come here and they actually become Christians. Because maybe they came because... Their God faith was like really abysmal or didn't exist. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. And they came because they knew they wanted to get close to God because they were not close to God. So you have the whole spectrum here. Um, but the cool thing is most of them are young. So there's a lot of energy and fun they going on. fired up. They In fact, are. we just had a uh, opening, kind of like an opening ceremony of mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the quarter, the new quarter with the new group of students. Right. Because it's January here and they do four quarters a year. So it's January And so quarter. everybody was... Uh, in the, this big assembly hall called Ohana Court, and they're run, they they have them run in with the flags, these <laughs> giant flags, saying, you know, here's who's here this year, you know. Each nation. Yeah, and they come running in, and everybody's clapping and cheering for yeah. all the different, you know, young people from around the world. Right, yeah, right. So cool. Really great. So anyway, that's just a little update of where we are and what we're doing. And uh, now we have... A little two-bedroom condo, which is way better than where we Living were. Even, the farm I, I the mean, basement. the farm—it <laughs> it was what it was. I don't want to complain. Um, it just felt like I was living in Papua New Guinea, which I'm happy to do. But two months there was about my max. It was really far from campus. I just love being closer to campus, close, closer to the work, closer to the mission space. We're about seven minutes away now. And I haven't been bit by a mosquito since we left the farm. Thank God. <laughs> Yeah, that was a lot of bugs. I was getting eaten alive there. That was a lot of bugs. It was beautiful, though. It was pretty. Okay, so let's uh, move right along to question number 24. Okay. So, if you don't know, uh, we... This show is completely unscripted obviously so we don't know what we're going to say (laughs) so uh, we're getting this question and then we're just going for it so we'll see uh where this goes what's today's question question 24 says how do you feel about your relationship with your mother sumadre oh my mom Wow. Yeah. Again, these questions are to help you grow in into intimacy, closeness, and love, actually, as well. And so... Uh, and understand each other better. Yeah, okay, wait, wait, wait. Read it to me again. I just want to get the, the context. How do you feel... How do you feel? About your relationship, about your relationship with, your with your mother. Okay, so how do I feel about it? Yeah. Huh. 
So mm. I'll go first. Okay. Okay. Um, I actually just got to see my mom uh, for Thanksgiving, and uh, it was really awesome because my mom's getting older, 77, and so for her to travel all the way out here was a real treat with my dad, too. Um, It's a six-hour flight from the mainland to get here. Yeah, and they were coming from Oklahoma, so even farther. Yeah, so it was... The way I feel about my relationship with my mom is that my parents are my biggest fans, and my mom is super encouraging and supportive and always is there for me. She calls me, checks on me, and um, she's been such a huge influence during my life. I grew up on the mission field, and my parents were kind of new Christians. Like, maybe they'd been saved a year when we became missionaries, and mm-hmm. I was like 10, you know, or turning turned 11, actually, when we hit the mission field. And so... I was watching my mom and my dad for the first time do full-time ministry. And uh, it was all new to me too. So to watch my mom get up and she, she, would, she would do all kinds of stuff out of her comfort zone. We started a Bible study and she started playing piano and leading and singing. I'd never heard her play piano in my life, you know, but she knew <laughs> when she was a kid and she stumbled through it, but she did it. And I was like, wow, she's leading a hundred people, you know, singing or whatever. And then she was stepping out and she felt like God told her to start her own TV show. I mean, can you imagine out there if your mom said, I'm going to start my own television show? What a crazy idea. So she did. She started this local show in the Virgin Islands. And it was like a daily show or something. And she would basically interview people and talk about God and minister to the audience. Um, And so I was watching my mom really step out there and do wild things for God all the time. I mean, she'd be casting out devils and praying for people to get healed and miracles would happen. And so that's, you know, to watch uh, a woman leader like that in your own home, it really frames your perspective for the rest of your life. Like a lot of people have hangups with women in leadership in the church. Not me. I thought that's the way it always was. That's how I grew up. So I, I thought it was awesome. And uh, I learned a lot from her. And uh, I really feel grateful to have her in my life. She has spoken prophetically into my life, like as an encourager. Um, and she, she told me once, she's the one who bought me my first uh, electric guitar. Uh, and for her birthday, by the way, that's what, what she wanted for her birthday. No. Yeah. What? So she, I don't she, remember that. Yeah. I was um, like 16 or 17 and it was her birthday and she's and we're like, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to buy you and Mike, my brother, electric guitar. She thought that would be so much fun because I had started <laughs> playing music. I just started playing bass guitar uh-huh. and it was fun. And I thought, you know, maybe I should learn. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm good enough and all that kind of thing. I mean, mm-hmm. I barely can play this bass. That's really terrible. Um, but we went to the store and bought an electric guitar and brought it home. And of course, my brother most, mostly looked at it and kind of held it and f- like kind of played, you know, rock star. Uh, <laughs> never played a note that I remember. Uh, but I, start, I took lessons and I've been because of that. And then so I started playing at church, a uh, youth group. But... I, the reason we've, she even bought the guitar is she told me when I was playing bass, like, I think you'd make a great lead guitarist, you know? And I'm thinking in my head, like, I can barely play this. I'm terrible. But I was like, mom, that's ridiculous. I couldn't do that. I can, I stink, you know? 
but she bought me an electric guitar, electric guitar. I've been playing guitar every day for the last, whatever, 30-something years because of my mom um. and writing music, hundreds of songs because of my mom, traveling around the world, you know, leading people in worship, mm. doing outreach bands, you, you name it, like recording songs because of my mom. Like she you know, was a major influence. I want to say something about that. I think that's so important to remember as parents that we can call things out in our kids. And even if they say, oh, that's dumb or that's crazy, we can tell them, I think you would be great at, or I could totally see you doing this. Exactly. Like we should be saying that all the time about yeah. every little thing. Like, wow, I think you could make breakfast, <laughs> you know, or you, know, you could make a great, you're a great cook. You're just amazing at cooking or, you know, it could be anything. I think you're so great with numbers. You're just so great with money. It's incredible. Like just, I, I feel like I almost have to be reminded regularly to do that positive affirmation. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, it's calling, there's a verse about that. It says, call things that are not as though they were. And that to try to remember to do that every day for our kids, but maybe even for each other. Because I think we forget as a married couple being married forever, uh, you know, almost 30 years to look at you and say, hey, you're really good at that. Or, oh, I really appreciate that. Or I think you'd be amazing at that because, you know, we really need to continue growing and learning and um, adjusting and stretching ourselves mm. that we're not dead yet. We still have a lot of life in us, a lot of things to do. We have another 25 years probably before we, we retire or we're too tired to, <laughs> to go around and <laughs> hike mountains. But, you know, sometimes we just get into an area of our life where we're just on repeat and just doing the same thing we've always done. Where really, as a couple, we can call that out in each other just like your mom did for you when you were young. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. It, and, and I think that's so much of what leadership is. Mm. It's calling out something in somebody, hmm. giving them vision for what they can't see, but yeah. you can see it about them and say, I think if you keep doing this, you've already got something going on here, but if you kept going, man, <laughs> this could be a game changer. Like, right. And that's what my mom did for me. You know, she saw me have some interest that I did like music. Yeah. And then she took it to another level. Right. Right. And so I feel really grateful for somebody like that who would believe in me and nurture me. And she was just, um, you know, I think she, she was always a working mom. Mm -hmm. um, and, but... She was also, um, you know, really kept our family together and brought that element of softness more than my dad, you know, mm -hmm. and that element of compassion. And uh, I'll tell a funny story about my mom, too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I was, I don't know, I think a teenager, I was a teenager, and I think I had been getting into trouble like harassing my younger brother, mm. you know, as older brothers do, right? We got in a fight. We were, you know, giving each other a hard time. And um, so I, I was washing dishes one night. Mm -hmm. And you know how you have the squirter, the spray gun thing, part of your sink? Yeah, right. So anyway, I had been washing the dishes out of the faucet with hot water, okay? And then I was spraying them. 
But then I turned the faucet and I made it cold, right? And I was doing something. And so I thought it'd be funny to squirt my brother in the face with the squirter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cold water. What's a harmless fun? Only in the tube, yeah. it was still hot, scalding hot water. Oh, so I yeah. squirt him in the face. Ha <laughs> ha! And he's like, ah, oh, mom. <laughs> and I was God. like, oh crap, I'm in trouble. You stink. <laughs> so my dad was gone, thankfully. Oh. And uh, but my mom, she she got so angry. She gave me a quote spanking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a teenager. Okay, I'm bigger than her at this point. My mom's a small woman. Yeah. And I don't know what she used, a stick, a bell. I don't know. But she hit me a couple times in the butt. You know, she made me bend over. <laughs> she made you bend But I laughed because it didn't hurt at all. Oh, you're not <laughs> supposed like, to laugh. It was like whack, whack. And I was trying to like stifle it in my, you know, because my face was the other direction. Yeah. And like trying to not let her hear me laugh. But <laughs> it was so funny because my mom just could not put any pain on me oh, you know gosh. anyway but she, <laughs> she she's she could be tough though too you know what i mean she could be a, she was strong hmm. she was strong in a good way you know and i appreciate that yeah she was no pushover my mom she was um you know she did a lot of great things in ministry later in life she helped start the ministry of the homeless and was just a a, a, a real groundbreaker with my mm-hmm. dad and she was essential. I mean, she helped run that, you know, the business part of ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also started, uh, she, she was a leader, a regional leader for The Send. Which no, was not like, The Send. It was called The Call. Oh, The Call. And then it changed later to The later Send. Later it changed to The Send, yeah. but the original so Call. The Call was like an arena event, like huge stadium event. Right. And they would be worship and prayer and they would like, mm-hmm. like pray for you know, the nation. And it, anyway, she was one of the big organizers. Organizers. Yeah. I remember Lou Ingle stayed at your house. Wes and Stacey Campbell stayed at your oh, house. Yeah. Like a lot of big name people are always at your house. Yeah. Cause your were parents were kind of, some of them. I don't know if you realize, but your parents are kind of big name people in that region. They really were. And I didn't realize this when I was dating you and married you, but once I got your name and I had your last name, everyone's like, Oh, you're a Galloway. And I'm like, yeah, what, what does that mean? <laughs> but I guess that was a big deal for that area, maybe, because your parents did so much good work. They did yeah. so many amazing things. You know, of course, there was that. But your mom also, I think she led a prayer thing. Gosh, I wish I knew the details. I was living in California with you as youth pastors at the time. But I remember when she had Madison Square Garden, and she was in charge of a Madison Square Garden. For those of you that don't know, that's, that's like an arena in New York City. And she was in charge of this big women's prayer event yeah. and she ran it like that was I mean she was doing big time stuff so she was always and she would preach and teach you know what I loved about your mom is she would <laughs> she uh she had this thing like clothes that represented like different prayer warrior things and this is so cool because it's so girl it's so girly to have your clothes relate to ministry but it's so awesome because that's what you get when you get women leadership you get new things that are very creative and so i remember she had these shoes and they were doc martens well they were kind of knockoffs oh were they knockoffs well anyway they looked like doc martens and they had these they're black with these red flames on the bottom and she would wear those whenever she was doing spiritual warfare prayer and she would say that's because i'm going into hell and i'm pulling them out i'm pulling them out of hell i'm taking them away from the devil devil i'm stomping on the devil (laughs) yeah those flame shoes on (laughs) <laughs> yeah 
Or like whenever she felt like she just needed to be covered with the blood of Jesus, that he has forgiven her and that he loves her. She'd wear like this red scarf and just to remind herself that God's blood covers her and mm. or, or that or her white scarf to remind her of purity, that God made her pure. Anyway, that was really cool to me because I was like, oh, th- th- that's a cool idea. You know, so and your then, mom was really she fun. Had a sword. If she's like, if we're doing spiritual warfare, she would get out this sword and hold it in the air and she would call out, you know, she would like strike down every demon every I remember when she bought that sword darkness that would come <laughs> against you know the the homeless or coming against our staff yeah. or our missionaries or whatever. We were in New York City and we went and shop and she was like, I'm looking for a sword. I'm like, for what? She's like, because I want to hold it in the air when I pray. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it's just like, the kind of family and then of course I grew we, up in, we, okay. we, we rode home on the subway with that sword, you know. <laughs> She wanted it too, not too long because your mom was so short. She she wanted to be able to hold it up without yeah, it, it wasn't like, being a huge too heavy. Sword because, yeah. It was perfect size it for her. It was a woman size sword. Right. <laughs> right. Anyway, you know, what's interesting about this is we were talking lately about leadership in the church and how uh, there's a lot of missing women in executive leadership in the church, either as pastors or associate pastors. It's just you just hardly ever see it ever in mm. other countries. It's more common, but in America it's just like missing yeah. and um, how, you know, I think 70 to 80% of the church is women and, and, and it's always like 98, 90% led or more led by men. And I, you know, I refer this about the home and how, if you have a house and you have a home and let's say you have it and, and we're talking about this cause it was Christmas time. Yeah. And if let's say you have a home and there's a mom and a dad and the mom dies and is not there and you have a single dad with kids and you have Christmas and nothing against dads. Dads are amazing. They're so great. They do great things. They're wonderful. But imagine Christmas with no mom, right? Sounds sad. It sounds really (laughs) sad because the mom is the one like baking. Frozen dinners. Yeah, she's cooking, she's decorating, she does a lot of the wrapping, she makes sure the gifts are really special to each kid. Like, I don't know, I'm I'm sure some dads do this, I'm sure some dads bake and do cookies and all that, but generally, the mom is what makes the home, like, homey, you know? Uh, And so, to have the missing mom is a little sad, and I feel like that's the the problem with the church in America today. One of them. (laughs) <laughs> One of the problems, yeah. Yeah, no offense if you're a church leader, just something to, a way to look at it, new perspective, is that a lot of the churches that are not growing very big and they're staying small or churches that are not very um, welcoming or don't feel very good when you go there. Not, not great hospitality. Not Yeah, is that the women are not, there's not a woman in leadership that's making sure because cause women tend to notice things mm. that maybe men, men notice things women don't notice. Yeah. And women notice things that men don't notice. And so yeah. when you're missing the mother or the father, there's a, a, like just when you have a single mom, if you have a single mom family, there's a real missing piece there of the mm. man not being there. It's right. a huge missing piece. And it's the same thing with the mom not being there. And I feel like as spiritual mothers and fathers yeah. and as sons and daughters of God, and we're both image bearers, bearers of Christ, Jesus and the Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit in men and women. When we don't have women leaders in the church, that church is missing so much. That reminds me of that verse. I just read it, I think, last week. Paul was saying, he was mentioning 
Oh, and, you know, the church and the home of... Um, Aquila and Priscilla? And I don't think it was Aquila and Priscilla. It could have been a Phoebe. I forget, but it was a woman. Okay. And he said, oh, yeah, and say hi to the, you know, the church that's in so-and-so's home. Lydia? Lydia had a home. church. And I was like, oh, yeah. I was, I was imagining, like, the people coming together, the believers, mm-hmm. back then in history, in this woman's home and yeah. her taking care of everybody, you know, hosting, yeah. right? Yeah. And making it a great experience and being warm and loving and, like, and plus leading And plus the leading. Teaching and These women taught. Yeah. They taught. And so, yeah, it, I, whenever I find a church that doesn't have women preach from the pulpit, I mean, no offense to those people who don't do that, but it's actually not biblical. Because because Paul New Testament Church was doing it. Yeah, they were doing it. I mean, Paul sent Phoebe to Rome to all the churches in Rome to read his letters, the Bible, and to explain it wow. to the churches. So she was speaking in all the churches in Rome and explaining it, reading the Bible, speaking and teaching and representing him. And Rome was no. It's Amazing. like send. It's like sending her into London. You're oh. going into oh. the. And that's, where, and that's like where you're Sodom getting, and Gomorrah, yeah, too. Yeah, people I mean, are being killed. Oh yeah, and then every time, you know, that uh, the they mention the church, one of the first churches was in Aquila and Priscilla's house, and it's mentioned multiple yeah. times, and almost every time it's mentioned, her name is before his. They say Priscilla and Aquila. And they always say her name first, Paul does. And so... Um, yeah, that you know, to to do that really shows that she was a leader. Yeah, and I teaching, and I've seen this even. You know, we we used to go to church in uh, New Jersey called Liquid Church. Yeah, and we're still watching online. We love it. Love it. I um, totally recommend if you're watching church online, check out liquidchurch.com. So it's we're so good. Good friends with Tim and Colleen Lucas, the pastor and his wife, mm-hmm. and he has put women at the highest level in his executive leadership team that oversees the whole church. Right, and he's told me. Like they've given him eyes to see things he never noticed. <laughs> Duh. It's so true because he does like everything. These, he does these, the way he does his sermon is he'll prepare a sermon with a team of people. Yeah. And it used to be just guys. But then as soon as he got women into his leadership circle, he would prepare a sermon and say, wait a minute, when you said that, that was so offensive towards women. Or what about this? And he's like, oh, my God, I would have never thought yeah, of just, that. Just giving a total another insight. You just, yeah. as a man, like, you don't think like a woman, so you can't. Right. And so they would help him to see, uh, understand what the rest of the church, the sec- or one half of the church was More than half. And, and receiving and, and how they perceived that. <laughs> it was, he was like, this is so It was like great, gold, right? yeah. And um, so it's been really cool to watch that because it was that church wasn't always like that either. They didn't used to be that way. So in fact, all the women really in ministry cool. were, were called coordinators, um, not pastors. Right. They were more administrative roles. Just administrative for the women and then leadership for and the now men. He has his other main teaching pastor is yeah. a Puerto Rican he woman. He changed it. Who brings it. She's so good. Oh, does she bring it. Kyra is on fire. But you know, she the, totally brings it. She's such a good speaker and preacher. And it's so good for people to see men and women preach. Just to see that she can do a great, a woman can do a great job preaching Sunday morning. Yeah. You know? But you don't know that right. unless it, you see it right. even on a more regular basis. If you right. see one person, you're like, well, that's a one-off. That's right. odd. But when you see somebody do it like every month, you're like, that's not odd. That's just normal. It's just normal. Yeah. It's just like having a mom and a dad in a church. A church is a family, church family. It's the house of God. 
and we need to have fathers and mothers and, and daughters and sons and, you yeah. know, and, and, uh, everybody matters. We mm-hmm. know this, right? Everybody's we know not it. the same in the eyes of God. Everyone's but we don't the same. White, treat black, everybody the same, even though we Asian, know it intellectually. Hispanic, fat, thin, old, young, male, yeah. female. We're all the same. Even rest. this morning we went to church, yeah. a four square church mm-hmm. and the, the pastors, there's co-pastors, uh, husband and wife, mm-hmm. which that's normal to say they're co-pastors, but then the man usually just preaches, right? So true. But the last two Sundays we were there, she preached, and it was so good. She is good. And she's really short. <laughs> she is so cute. Cute. Adorable. Uh, but she had a big message. Oh. And I was like, man, she's knocking it out. She I, I was did. just really impressed. So uh, anyway, for all those out, you, out there who are probably not used to seeing this and Right. You know, um, it was really, yeah. So my mom had that kind of impact on my life. She Mm. was a pastor, really. She was a minister. She is. And um, she shaped that view. And I think that's why I married somebody like you. My mom was a strong woman of God. I wanted to be married to a strong woman of God. So she shaped my life forever. Mm. Yeah. And I'm so glad she did. She's been a great mother-in-law. She's wonderful. Love her so much. You know, I'm going to change our book of the week. Really? Or it's, I, it's book of the month. <laughs> book of the year. <laughs> right. Because I, I, we do a book referral every show. Right. And I had like a devotional I was going to share. Yeah. But there's another book that actually applies this question since I didn't know we were going to ask this question. I just think I should do that book. So let's go Makes ahead and play me. our intro music for our book, book recommend. Woohoo! What's the book you have in mind? Well, let me walk over here to my bookshelf. I want to make sure I have it right. Okay. Spontaneously. She's walking to the bookshelf. I'm, I'm describing this. She's <laughs> leaning over and peering at all the books. I'm kind She's of. She's pulling one out. Yeah. This has a great cover, by I, the way. I and feel like we reviewed this. Maybe did, not. No, I don't think so. Because we reviewed the other book. You're right. We by have the not. same author. I'm so glad you picked that because I think this is. One of the best books I've ever read on this topic. Yeah. And I got to say, men don't usually want to read anything on this topic. No offense again. But just like I don't want to read what's one of the man books you read. Like, what are those books? Man books. Well, there's that one called Macho Men, The Manliest Men. I don't know. There's there's male books that are Christian. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's for my husband. And so people would look at this and say, oh, yeah, this is for my wife. But they'd be wrong. This is actually written by a husband in ministry by a man man, um who works with women in ministry and it's called powerful and free confronting the glass ceiling for women in the church by danny silk and it's a quick read it's an easy read it's um simple now i have read over nine books on this topic because i I'm kind of like a theologian on the biblical concept of women in ministry. Um, not that I'm a theologian. I'm not. <laughs> hey, well, you do actually do deep dive on this subject because it's one of the most misunderstood subjects uh, theologically in worldwide in the church. And so yeah. you really have uh, you, you have done a deep theological study. Um, I've been doing deep theological study on this for about 10 years. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, so I love to speak on it, not because I'm into like women or women's ministry. Like up with women. Yeah, or that I'm a feminine. None of the above. I, I'm not like that at all. Uh, it's, it's probably my last topic I'd want to talk about. But every time I talk to people, they're 100% ignorant. And I'm just like, oh, my God. Gosh, these people know nothing about this. It's like a hole. It's a huge hole of like, they know nothing. And so I'm like, oh. So I've been teaching on it just because it's such a, you know, it's ridiculous. Like the people, people don't, the fact that people don't know about Aquila and Priscilla. I mean, that would be like the basic, basic. It's the first church in the Bible. Nobody knows about it. Well, anyway. Okay. So, um, Uh, by the way, I read this book, loved it. Probably my favorite book so far on the topic. Yeah. And um, he talks about how he's married to a woman who's, you know, kind of more like a strong personality. Something Mm -hmm. you're familiar with. (laughs) Lucky me. Lucky you. (laughs) And, And he just wasn't sure, like, what, you know, what do I do with this? Like, what, you know, he wants to be honoring. He wants to work in ministry with his wife. Um, he and if you're not married, you know he wants to, you know, promote his sisters in Christ and and work well with them. But he was having a hard time, and it kind of really dealt with all those touchy things that men think but they don't say, and that they feel mm. but they don't say. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so true. That's the way it's. I guess that's the way men think, and then they don't know what to do with it, and right. so it addresses it biblically so well. Yeah, and um. This is a pretty new book, by the way. And we reviewed one of his other books called Keep Your Love On, but this is brand new. Like I, it just, just came, came out, out this year. year ago. Yeah. Now we're in 2022, people. Right. Um, yeah. He he talks about, you know, that concept of the man is the head and the woman is the helper. He, he, he take, tackles that head on. That is that that concept is considered, of course, in almost every denomination that I've heard every of. time I hear the man is the head I'm like oh my gosh they don't know the original language that it means he's the source right and of, the source like and the Eve. source of a river right for example that's it what means mean, the head of a river doesn't mean the head of the river is positionally authority has authority over the rest of the river it that doesn't make sense right from man but but people don't even know that yeah it's just it's just that's where the water came from yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, and there's, you know, there are some scriptures that are, I read one today, even, you know, Paul talked about, and it was, it's confusing, because you're like, what? Is he saying women are second class, huh? It appears that way at first glance, and so it's like, You mean the one where he says women should be silent in the church, they should not be permitted to speak? That's one of them. And right before that, what he's saying is, he's talking about men and women prophesying in the church, and then there's this this statement that's almost offensive, because it doesn't say women should be quiet, it says they should not be permitted to to speak, not preach, speak. And then right after that, he says, do you think the gospel came for you and me only? And then he reiterates men and women prophesying in the church. And so that verse is actually, there's um, a symbol in front of it. And some theologians say that symbol is a quotation mark, that he's quoting a religious Jewish person that's Mm -hmm. saying, what's going on with all these women preaching? Women should be silent. They shouldn't even be permitted to speak in the church. And he rebukes them by saying, what, you think the gospel came for just the men? And then he talks again about women and men prophesying, which prophesying at the time is just speaking. He affirms women constantly. Paul yeah. wrote most of the New Testament. He affirms women in ministry constantly. Right. And Jesus elevated the position of women mm-hmm. be, 
so far be it was revolutionary. Yeah. The way he treated women. Right. With honor. Well, the first person chosen to share the gospel in the history of the world was a woman. And of the he, resurrection. Yeah. 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 And and he sent her to preach it to men. So the first time the gospel was ever preached was a woman preaching to men. She she, she came up to that room and, to, and you know, and she and they didn't want to believe her. And so the first thing Jesus does when he raises from the dead, look, there's, there's different accounts and different gospels, but one of the accounts says the first thing he did when he spoke to the men is he rebuked the men for not listening to the woman preach the gospel. That was the first thing he did when he rose from the dead. He, re- he rebuked them for not listening Here, to the woman. This woman came to give, she came to give them yeah. the most important news in the history of mankind. Right. The son of God, the Messiah has risen from the dead. Right. And they wouldn't listen. They now, wouldn't listen to her. Now, of course, Jesus convinced them. He showed up and right. affirmed, like, you should have listened to her, you right. dummies. Yeah. He's like, then he says, you know, go into all the world and tell everybody right. what she told you. Now you need to copy her, in other words. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really. It was the same thing with the woman at the well. Yeah, same thing, right? He calls out a woman and, you know. She she's in, lost in sin and she's a wreck and he comes out of compassion and says, you know, this is how, you know, I'm here for you basically. And she, but he sent her as the first evangelist. Yeah, she went and told the whole town and brought them back to hear Jesus. And so here she is. She's doing what um, others men didn't even want to do. Like the Samaritans, they hated the Samaritans, right? And mm-hmm. they're like, ah, oh, they're repulsive and they're ungodly and. She's like, come listen to Jesus. He's the greatest, you know? <laughs> and so. So if Jesus is choosing women to preach and teach and lead and speak to men. He didn't rebuke her when she brought all those people to hear the gospel. Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, this is what I always say when people say, oh, you must do a women's ministry. I'm like, no. I'm like, I preach to women, men, children, you know, everybody just like men do. Men minister to women, men, right. children, you know, like everybody, everybody, everybody. Yeah. So this book. Guys, look, I, I, I want to encourage men. Th- this is my favorite book on the subject. I've, written, I've read several, and I've studied this because I minister to Tracy a lot. But Mambo now. It, it talks about, um, wh- I think why this book had a section that was different than the other books is it didn't just cover theology. It actually interviewed real women in real ministry who are leaders mm-hmm. in today. Yeah. And they said, this is how I've been treated. This is how people look at me. This is, and they're like, it's a pain in the neck. You know what I mean? They're <laughs> honest. And and here they are, successful, powerful, yeah. legit, anointed women of God who are ministering to men and women. And treated kind of crappy. And treated kind of crappy. And it's like, uh, sexism is in the church. It's alive and well, unfortunately. Yeah. So he calls it out, but in a, in a positive way. Right. It's not bashing men. It's like, hey, it's just showing. It right. It's just helping to show. It was kind of yeah. like the books, we, you know, with the whole racial injustice that was happening so big and always has. But a hi- it's been highlighted the past couple yes. of years. We were reading a lot of books about it. And it just helped us to see and have more empathy and understand. Yes. More than ever about that. Where before we were just blazingly, you know, ignorant about little things we'd say or do and then now we're like oh we can't that's horrible you can't say those things or think or do those things even the littlest thing that you thought was little is actually a big deal and I feel like that's the same thing with this with women and it's just part of diversity that God's church is diverse and if we're missing um, people of color 
in our church leadership, if we're missing um, people who are young in our church leadership for with a young perspective, and if we're missing people who are old, who have an older perspective and wisdom, and if we're missing women in our executive leadership team, um, we're really missing out. We're just missing out. And I think we're missing God because yeah. that's the heart of God, right? Yes. Totally. So please uh, look this up on Amazon or, or wherever you buy Christian books. Powerful and Free, Confronting the Glass Ceiling for Women in the Church by Danny Silk. It's a fun read. I, it is fun. I actually enjoyed it. It's not like a boring teaching book. Um, it really tackles something like, whoa, I didn't think about this. I, You know, as a man myself, I'm like, wow, it's so true. We just automatically, we have these patterns culturally. Right. We assume things about certain people groups including women, mm-hmm. and when he calls them out, according to the Bible, it sets you free to think it a, a better way and, and then pass that along to your sons, your daughters, to say, here's what the Bible really says. Right. Yeah. All right. Thanks for bringing that, that, uh, that book to everyone's attention. It's a great one. And if you're not a reader, Audible is a wonderful thing. Okay, so now it is your turn, Mambo, to um, answer the question. Okay, and let's just say this name thing with Mambo, because the intro to the show still says Tracy, and so I recently... You've been rebranded. I've been (laughs) rebranded. I was called Mambo... The artist formerly (laughs) known as Tracy. (laughs) I've been called Mambo by people who love me and are close to me especially my kids um, and my adopted grandchildren for like 10 years. So it's been a part of my life for many, many years. But recently I, we became grandparents this past year. Yay. Yay. She's so cute. And so now uh, it's kind of a grandma name and it's Mambo. And it's from the Dean Martin song that goes, Hey Mambo, Mambo Italiano, hey Mambo. Because you're Italian. Because I'm Italian. You were Lucia before we got married. Lucia. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. It's kind of a play on mom and mambo. Mm, yeah, like a grandma name and the dance. and Because I always dance around the kitchen. And anyway, my kids would call me mambo when they were really happy And everybody at YWAM calls you mambo. Everyone at YWAM calls me mambo. So I they just. love it. I, I kind of so had fun. half mambo, half Tracy. But then I had to decide when I had to get my school ID. Right. It was like going to go by Tracy or Mambo, and I, I just chose Mambo because I thought, well, number one, it's actually easier for all the internationals to say, um, and they seem whenever they say it, they say it happily. Before they'd say Tracy, like oh Tracy, or they say Racy, or you know, with their accent or whatever. But now that I'm Mambo, they're like Mambo, like they just <laughs> love saying it. So I'm like, that helps them to remember my name. Bringing I'm meeting joy to the masses. I'm meeting hundreds of people all the time, so it just works yeah. well. And I go by Mambo already, anyway. So why and not? My just grandfather' name is Obi because my name is Juan, so Obi Juan, because of my uh, Star Wars love for Star Wars. But uh, but, but no but one's I calling digress. you. No one's calling you Obi on campus. No, no, though. that's just that's just for my grandkids to enjoy. That's special, special. Okay, so right. here's the question, Mambo. Okay, Mambo Italiano. Yep. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? Ah, yes. Mom, with my mom. This is a great question. My mom and I, um, I think, get along pretty well. I mm-hmm. think we really do. And uh, my mom was a single mom growing up. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents divorced when That's I, or separated hard. when I was in preschool. Yeah. 
So because of that, uh, we were pretty close, I think, because we were just always together. Um, I think that's true when you have a single parent. You're usually kind of close with them. So she worked a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's a real estate agent. So she worked hard and... Yeah. And, but I guess what I want to say about my mom is that she was always adventurous. Like some moms are the kind of mom that's in the kitchen, baking and cleaning and doing your laundry. And they're like real mommy. My mom was not real mommy. Like, uh, she was more like a fun friend and she would take us to go do adventurous things. Like anytime you visit my mom, she'd get bikes and we go cycling somewhere or she, she had a sailboat and she would sail, literally, she lived in Annapolis, Maryland later in life, and she would sail from Maryland all the way down to the Bahamas in winter, through the ocean, uh, like as an older, retired woman, like she was out there in the ocean with the sails, and yeah, I was a little nervous, actually, for her, but she she's very adventurous, and she was the captain of her own boat, and so she... Um, yeah, she she was a strong woman too, I think, in so many ways. And so she modeled for me an adventurous spirit yeah. and having fun. Uh so I always try to like I try over the years I tried to learn how to cook and bake and do all those mommy kind of things because it didn't come naturally to me because my mom wasn't that way so I've developed that side of me over many years but my natural inclination is to take everybody and let's just go out you know to the beach and let's go canoeing down a river or river rafting or let's like I'm always planning adventures and I think I get that from my mom because she was always so adventurous yeah and she's been a good grandmother too it's you know, we haven't lived near her, but she would do um, things like host family vacations for us and the kids. Oh, yeah. On the yeah. beach um, several times. And mm-hmm. that's been really, really, those have been great memories. That's oh, been some yeah. of our best vacations we had in some our life. Some of our best vacations. She hosted us. She mm-hmm. rented a house and welcomed us. Um, yeah. She, she helped the, our sons with cars when you know, they became of driving age. She gave them their her used car. She gave her her car. She's I like, I want to so give them my car. So generous. And then with the next one, she's like, I want to give them my car too. I'm like, wow, that's really generous to give somebody yeah. your car. And I, they'll never forget that the rest of their lives. No. You know, that's, that's a mark. Like mm-hmm. my grandparents made marks on me. Yeah. She made marks on our kids' lives mm-hmm. that I'm really grateful for. And she also um, helps with her college. And, and, you know, she doesn't have to do that. Yeah. She, she never made a lot of money. Yeah. She never had a lot, but what she did have, she, she was very generous and kind with it. And so I'm really thankful. And she used to like knit sweaters for me <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah. knit a sweater. I mean, that takes what? Like 40 hours, she knit a bunch maybe a hundred hours. Too. I have no idea. I have no idea she how many hours painting. she made scarves. Yeah. She paints, she's an artist and she <laughs> gives, so my, my daughter river has her, her paintings in the house and, and so, yeah, I, I think she's great. And I, I really enjoy being with her and talking to her. And she's always concerned, um, always asking questions about how things are. And, yeah, so I, I really appreciate her so much. And mm-hmm. she, she goes to church um, at a Methodist church down in Florida. Mm-hmm. And before that, she went to a Bible church. And so she has kind of a, a Christian history in her home, too. Her grandfather used to be... Okay, I'm not sure if I have this right. 
basically on that line of the family, they, in fact, if you go way back, her family settled Maryland as the first Puritans. We're re- I just found out we're related to uh, William Stone, who was the first person to create a document for our country about religious freedom and that the Catholics and Protestants should work together um, and that we should be protected with our religious freedoms. Wow. And so it's interesting how, you know, you talk about praying for generations or that, but going way back, they used to also host in their home, the white family in Maryland would host like famous, not George Whitfield, but, um, Oh, I can't think of it right now off the top of my head, but famous ministers, revivalists who'd come over from England, they would come speak at their churches and stay in their home. And so Mm. they were in it, right? In the thick of it. And uh, they they started the first church in Annapolis, Maryland, that's now in the center of town. And um, isn't it amazing, like this heritage, like I have, I have some, you know, going back generations, I have circuit riders who were great, great grandfathers. And it's like these things that are, family did yeah they're channeled down they're passed down to us from generation to generation my great-grandfather he taught at the mission all the time in washington dc he worked right next to the white house normal job in the department of accounting but then he also taught at the mission and helped start a church and my family started a church in north carolina and then uh, my grandfather started a church in falls church virginia a lutheran church and then my brother uh, he's a Lutheran lay minister on the side and preaches on Sundays. And then, and then you and I have started churches. So it's like, it's just been like, and we're missionaries. I, yeah. It's, it's crazy. interesting, right? And, and there was kind of a lull with both your parents and my parents, like where maybe their parents were more religious, you know, mm-hmm. but that way they were more active in church. Right. And then when they, this, g- that generation of our parents kind of, they wandered away, yeah. you know, they're like, I'm just going to have some fun. It was the sixties or the seventies. Hey, hey <laughs> let's, it's groovy. Uh, you know, the sixties and seventies, they lived it up, yeah. but, but then they ended up coming back around, you know, coming back and that, but that we, so even growing up as a kid, I had no idea about this kind of history that my family no. were radical people for God or yours were as well. Yeah, we didn't but really know until later. Th- it's still coming down through us. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we're training all these young people and then our own kids, of course. And now we have granddaughters. It's like, it's amazing how God, like this, there's something about those who are faithful to the call of God. It ripples out to generations. It does. Thousands of people. You know, that's interesting because you think you share, let's say you mentor one person in following God, right? Yeah. Just one person, but you're changing the course of their family, their children, their grandchildren, their great grandchildren. Like it really does ripple out in such a major way, major way that I don't think we'll see till we're in heaven. The impact even of this podcast who knows? Yeah, and I think the ripple of a mom, because um, we were talking about our moms. Mm. I I just think God took elements of his character, his essence, his being, and he put it in man and woman, both, but different elements, I think, in man and woman. Mm-hmm. I think there are some... Men and women are not exactly the same, We're obviously. Right? Even our knees are different. <laughs> yeah, I've learned true. with knee replacement. That our like bodies are different. Yeah, we're different. But we, we are different and that he wants to breathe life on the world and breathe transformation and bring light and bring, you know, his blessing on the earth 
and he does it through women and he does it through moms mm-hmm. who minister to the, their children who minister to the whole family through ministering to their children. And I also want to say, not all women are married. No. Not all women have children. No. And so when you limit women to ministering in the home, Mm. then you are taking half of women and saying, you're not valuable to God or to the church because you're not married and you don't have kids. And that's just not true. There's so many women who are, are spiritual moms in the church and leaders in the church and gifted in every way. Mm. Yeah. And so we have to remember about the single ladies because there's so many nowadays more than ever, 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 you know, there's so many single ladies who are so gifted and so called and have so much, um, ability. Yeah. And I just, I want to wrap it up probably with this just little story. Um, when I was, I went to Bible college and I wanted to go in ministry but I was real scared. And then I worked at a, a church that worked with gang members and that was crazy, but they were welcoming to me and I, 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 it was wild and wonderful. But then I felt like God was calling me to be a youth pastor, but I was terrified. I didn't know how I'd never preached a, a message. In I my have life. to stop you in the middle of the story just cause there's an application here. Okay. Who was the leader of that ministry? The gang members. Uh, it was Cookie and Demi Rodriguez. Right. Yeah. So they welcomed me in. And Cookie was more like the radical, you know, the point person, I would say. Um, but while I was there, I was feeling called to be a youth pastor. And they were so, they were so like, supportive of me. But I, I remember there was this woman I knew who was a pastor, a woman pastor, by herself, I mean. She was married, but her husband wasn't the pastor of the church. And... I knew she was a woman of God. And so I just called her because she was the mom of a friend of mine, uh, a, a guitar player. Anyway, I called. And I said, would you pray for me and just seek God about whether I'm supposed to do this? Because I think he might be telling me, but I don't know. Like, I have no clue. Right. And so this woman said, yeah, I will. And so she prayed. And, uh, you know, I got back with her the next week and she said, yeah, I feel like you should go ahead. And so I left where I was living. I left my band, which I had a cool rock band. I left my job, which I was working at this church with gang members. And I moved up to New Jersey to be near my family and to become a youth pastor. And then, of course, we got married and we became youth pastor for like 10 years. Uh-huh. But this woman was there at that turning point in my life to say, because I trusted her. I knew she would. She heard the voice of God. You know, what if she hadn't been there? Hmm. You know? What if I, I didn't have someone this. to confirm that and affirm that in my life? Um, and she wasn't someone I was really close to or it was, you know, I just, but I did know her mm-hmm. and she was like, but mm. you know, I just, I'm just thankful for that woman pastor, mm. you know, who's kind of like a spiritual mom to me in that moment. That's the way she treated me. And that's why I trusted her and she was a safe place for me. Mm. You know how men are. I, I probably wouldn't want to go bother some male pastor like, I don't know, because he's running the church and he's busy. But she was so sweet to me. I was like, I know she'd probably pray and ask God for me and she would tell me. Mm. And I trusted her. Yeah. You know, so I'm just thankful that she was there at a key point in my life that changed the trajectory and helped me go forward into what God was calling me to do. You know, this this 36 questions thing, it works because We've been married for almost 30 years, yeah. and I've never heard that story. Well, there you go. Wow. I'm actually learning something about you. It's crazy. 
Oh, well, we really appreciate you listening um, to our jibber jabber. And uh, hopefully there's some nuggets you can take out to apply to your life. And we want to encourage you to utilize these questions with your friends, your family, sitting around the table at whatever meal that you sit at with whatever people God places around the table with you. And it's just a way to go deeper and to enter into conversation, which I think is such a lost art today with texting and you know, private messaging, we've really lost the art of conversation. And so this is a great way to really get to know people better. So utilize these questions for yourself and for your friends or your dating relationship or for your own marriage. Yeah, I I just was reading in a book today. It said it, it was called Joyful Journey. And it says it is in the loving connections with safe people that we become who we are designed to be. Mm. Through these connections, we actually become our true selves as God originally intended. So we can't really become our true selves that God created us to without other people. He's created us to be part of a body. Right. And isolated, we can grow so far, yeah. but not to the full extent. We need those safe places like that woman was a safe place for me. You're a safe place for me. Other friendships I have, I need them to help me become who God has called me to be. Mm. So... That's cool. Oh, I wanted to point out, too, before we wrap it, that we have a new website um, oh, yeah. called gallowaysonmission.com. Right. And if people want to see what we're up to and see photos of us in action. and Doing ministry. Um, there's lots of, yeah, great, great updates, newsletters, stories. See what we look like now. Because I think our 36 questions picture is kind of old. Yeah, it's the young version of us. You know, it's funny because that was only taken, like, right before COVID. But COVID, like... <laughs> Man, it hammered the age into our face. It's like when the president, you know, like his hair, when he becomes president of the United States. He's all looking good. And then after he's president, he's all bags under the eyes. His gray hair turns hair. gray. <laughs> That's yeah. like us now. That's We're like, COVID we does. aged 10 years in like three years. But yeah, we need to update that. That well maybe, well, maybe we'll finish our podcast and our next podcast. We'll have an updated photo. The old version. Yeah, we'll have a new version of the way we look. Yeah. But if you want to see how we're looking nowadays, I, now they probably don't want to see how bad we look. But if you want to see how bad we look. <laughs> Speak for yourself. I think you look great. I think you're kind of cute, too. Yeah. And if you want to hit us up on Facebook, we're on Facebook. You can yeah. find us out there, Instagram or all that stuff. Sure. We're, we're available. Or if you have any you, questions or sure. you need more resources with any questions, we're here to help. Drop us a line. Yeah. We'll be friendly. We're open. We won't bite. No. Very hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, sayonara. It's been great. And uh, Tracy, or Mambo, I should say, mm-hmm. thanks for doing this show with me. It sure is fun. It is fun. So thanks for listening. Sleep tight. Don't let the bud bugs bite. Good night. Mm-hmm.